only have to record three times for the end of this book. No. This one and the next two. Nope. Yep. No, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. It is really wild. So we'll have to ask for end of book questions like we normally do. Oh, yeah. End of trilogy questions. Yeah. Like anything that we didn't catch any themes. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing chapter 39, Verity's Dragon. Get near the end here. And this epigraph is talking about, again, that invasion of the Red Ship Raiders up the river towards Tradeford and what the uh, Tradeford soldiers slash Regal's soldiers were doing during that. It says here that the six duchies troops were pouring into Blue Lake and crossing that river, or excuse me, that lake, over to the Mountain Kingdom the same time that the raiders were coming up towards Tradeford. And pretty much everyone dismissed the 12 raider ships that were going up there as not a not any threat, basically. Because they were thinking that it was just going to be, you know, they'll get picked off by the, uh, by the, archers if anything but they're probably coming to you know have a treaty with the magic his majesty who lives here and maybe they'll we'll wondering how much we'll have to cede of the outer duchies and get rid of to resume trade with everyone it just goes to show again that the public opinion of the inner duchies was just so out of touch with the reality and the end part of that epigraph is talking pretty much again about the underestimation and the mischaracterization that the inner duchies had about the out islanders and the raiders in general and what they wanted right it also is really interesting because it goes to show what they thought of the out island or the outer duchies people as a whole in general i mean here they are they've been holding the line for two plus years at least against the red ship raiders and now everything has fallen and instead of being like oh that's scary because the people out on the coasts are more warrior than we are they're like well how bad could a few ships be so it's really interesting because that like points to the fact to the idea that potentially the general consensus is that everybody on the outer coastline are all dumb and incapable incompetent they're just not very good at anything and so of course they're going to be taken over which is a sentiment that regal himself kind of holds just that maybe not that everybody's dumb but that the people of the outer duchies are lesser than yeah and i think that's so interesting and maybe it's because we read this whole series through fitz's perspective and he is so staunchly pro outer duchies that I feel like that's horrible because really the worst we've seen has been in the inner duchies, but also 
Fitz doesn't really get to travel around that often. So I don't know how good of a characterization of the whole of the Outer Duchies we can give. But it still seems like they're pretty competent people to be able to fend off the red ships basically on their own with no help from their monarch for right. as long as it's been going on. Yeah. So pretty good. Yeah, specifically the end of this, what I was talking about with the mischaracterization of the red ship raiders motives kind of ties into that conversation as well because the inner duchies don't know and don't care to learn anything about the outer duchy people either right the same way that they don't care or assume to know things about the raiders it says that the folk of tradeford ascribed to the red ships the same desire for prosperity and plenty that they themselves felt to base their estimation of the red ships on that motive was a grievous mistake that's why they think they're coming up for like, you know, trade treaties and to settle the differences so people can get rich again because the inner duchies just view this as an inconvenience like oh, the coastal duchies are fighting again with these people like we trade with them. Right. We want trade to flow to the outer duchies and up this river again. Just end it. <laughs> right. I guess I also just realized that it's such a horrible thing that I don't know if they just haven't been told the atrocities of what have been happening on the coasts because we know all the forging like people were buying candied poisons to give their children in case they were taken by the red ships. Like right. they were finding easy ways to kill themselves quickly to get out of the line of fire to not have to be forged in the outer duchies and the inner duchy people are like, well, maybe they just want to trade. And so maybe it's because they're so far away from that reality they don't care or they don't understand, but I don't know. Or they think it's just an exaggeration because forging is such a weird thing. I could see how you'd think it's just a made up fairy tale if they even heard about it to begin with. But also they have because it's in the king's circle, the circle of justice or whatever there That's was. True. So they've had forged ones wander that far. They know what it is. I just think that they don't think it's a big deal. Because it's made into an entertainment. They're like, oh, it's not as bad as they think. There's only a couple of them wandering around. So, I, I don't know. They're fed all sorts of propaganda as well. It's just, I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But they probably don't have the best source of information right. at all times. So, uh, Well, even, I forgot about the King Circle having forged ones in there. That, like, really the morality of the inner duchies is yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> So, We've commented on it a few yeah. times, yeah, with different I, things that they've said. I mean, I guess they also readily took up the king's circle and seemed pretty into it as it stands, but... I mean, some people from the other duchies probably would have as well. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. I don't know. Oh, this is making me like the inner duchies less. <laughs> I mean, not that I had a favorable opinion of them before, but the more I think on it... <laughs> Well, that's kind of a peek of what's happening on the outside, but we are in the quarry and Fitz has just been fetched by Night Eyes to see the dragon quicken. We get into the picture where Verity is saying goodbye and Fitz makes note that he doesn't think that Ketrikin, it, it hadn't really sunk into Ketrikin that he was actually going to die for this to happen, that Verity was going to die. And Fitz makes note that it's just, it looks like it's finally kind of sinking in with the goodbye that they share. 
and him telling her that she's pregnant and going to carry his kid and he's going to drop her off to Jean Pay. But of course, it's Ketrakin. So she's like, no, my place is in Buckkeep. I'm <laughs> the queen. And he's like, of course, I will carry you there then. So that was, it's, it's a pretty sad scene of goodbyes. I do feel bad for Ketrakin. I don't know if Therity has told her before now that he's going away. Maybe in the same weird way that he's told Fitz up to now before he laid it out for Fitz. But I think all of the conversations where Fitz asks what's happening and gets told that they're going to absorb into this stone dragon happen away from Ketrakin. Like, I don't think Ketrakin is actively part of the conversation or even necessarily in listening distance. So I do wonder if she did know before now. I think she did because she had faith that the dragon would fly out of here and she seemed kind of resigned to help him. I don't know. I just feel maybe there's not proof of it. I just feel like she did know. Well, she could be resigned because she doesn't think it's actually helpful, but she right. thinks, you know. I'm just saying yeah. my opinion, what I, I feel. There's no proof one way or the other. I don't think that she does know or she doesn't because she spent more time with Kettle and Verity than Fitz ever does in the quarry right. here. So who knows what kind of conversations they had or just chipping at stone. Right. I don't know, but maybe it's a lot like Fitz where she was told and she just didn't know how to understand it or understood it but just didn't want to yeah definitely i mean i just kind of equate it to my life of like a big big thing coming up and you just don't think it's gonna happen and then all of a sudden it's upon you're like oh this is actually happening (laughs) i don't know i i felt that feeling many times so i just kind of slotted that feeling and related to that with ketrakin here that even though i knew what was actually happening it's like oh okay That's fair. That's not a life experience I can share, so. (laughs) Fitz is talking about this ending time, this ending period, and he says, For all the days we had spent striving for this very thing, at the end it seemed rushed and untidy. And I specifically highlighted that because I feel like that's kind of the conclusion to this whole trilogy. And it kind of echoes this whole thing. This ending is literally, there's... Like I mentioned at the beginning, there's this chapter, next chapter, and then the epilogue. And that's the ending of the trilogy. And there's not really a climax before this. There are little events, but this is like the big finale and it's in one chapter. <laughs> yeah, it does feel it does feel a little rushed. A lot of tidy. A lot of waiting, a lot of striving for and reading through all these little travel moments and these downtimes. Then all of a sudden, right at the end, it's kind of wrapped up really quickly and not perfectly and i just thought it kind of it it was poignant and mirrored what was happening in the story yeah fitz also makes note that kettle kind of cursorily says goodbye to everybody but then is just very anxious and is standing by the dragon and just ready to go right and to be fair i mean kettle has known these people for six months maybe a year so like and she's 200 I get it. It'd be like, okay, cool. Uh, People that I barely know. I'm going to go to my dragon to be with my sister forever now. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Well, technically she does know Fitz extremely well because they did connect skill to skill. And that probably hasn't happened for 200 years. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. But yeah. Also, there's like the aspect of she doesn't really have 
people holding her here anymore. Right. I think at the same level as Verity, who is, as this is described, kind of dragging his feet about leaving. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's from lack of wanting the dragon to become whole. I think it is a big ask to look your loved ones in the face and say goodbye forever. That's really hard to do. And so yeah. there's a sense of Verity kind of holding them back a little. Verity says goodbye to Starling as well, saying, uh, care for my lady, meaning Ketrikan. Sing your songs well and true, and let no man ever doubt the child she carries is mine. With that truth, I charge you, minstrel. Starling says, I shall do my best, my king. So there is a royal decree to the minstrel to say, like, hey, make sure everyone knows the child is mine. Yes. And it is a minstrel, so her word is going to be taken, Mm -hmm. I think, without question. Who knows? (laughs) I suppose. But she is supposed to be someone who is telling the factual truth of what happened. We also see that she is going to be joining Ketrikan on the back of Verity as dragon when the dragon quickens. Mm -hmm. And she seems a little nervous. She has her harp on her back. And keeps checking it to make sure that it's securely in place and won't fall. And so there's like a little bit of jitters there coming from Starling. Shares a nervous smile with Fitz and Fitz remarks that that's all the goodbye that they need. And he goes into why it's interesting that they're saying goodbye because everyone kind of assumed that Fitz was going to go with them, which is a point that I forgot actually before rereading this says there had been some furor about my decision to stay. Regal's troops draw nearer with every passing moment, Verity reminded me yet again. Then you should hurry so I will not be in this quarry when they arrived. He frowned at that. If I see any of Regal's troops upon the road, I shall see that they do not get this far, he offered me. Take no risks with my queen, I reminded him. Night eyes was my excuse to stay. I am sure Verity knew the real reasons. I did not think I should return to Buck. I had already made Starling promise me that there would be no mention of me in song. So I, I, like I mentioned, I forgot that everyone kind of assumed that he would be going with Verity and riding on the back and and going with them and back to Buck. But of course, Night Eyes can't really stay on the back of a stone dragon very easily. And Fitz doesn't want to go back. Yeah, it feels like there's nothing left for him there. And I think... As a reader, it kind of feels that way, too. Mm-hmm. Like, what else is there? He lost the love of his life to his friend. They all think he's dead. If he does go back, there's the potential that things go wrong because they know he's witted or they'll accuse him of using wit magic, which is technically true. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a big danger. Even if he comes back in this glory of getting rid of the Red Ship Raiders, it just is, like, too much what if. So he's staying behind. Although I don't even necessarily know if Fitz himself cares about that much. I think he just doesn't want to be part of this anymore, whatever this is. I think the Molly and Beric thing really hurts him a lot and feels like he feels like his strings were cut to Buck in that case. And I agree with you there. But I also really think that as we've been reading these books, he has said multiple times and has been told multiple times that no, you are dead. Like, yeah. your old self is dead. Like, there's no going back to that. He's He was told by Beric, by Chade, by himself. 
you know, multiple times. And I think that's really kind of sunk in. He's like, okay, this is this is my chance, I guess. Even <laughs> right. though he's kind of adrift and lost after this. Yeah. Well, and I guess, I mean, what what is there to look forward to if he truly can't come back? Or even if he does, he's potentially going to just replace Chade in the walls. And either right. way, he'll probably have to be or be pushed to be the next assassin mm-hmm. and he hates that lifestyle. So why would he go back? And I mean, there's also the risk that with the baby coming of Ketrikens, he poses a line, a direct threat to the line of, Oh, what's that called? Uh, the line of succession. Yes. The line okay. of succession. <laughs> I cannot think of that word either way. I don't think there's a lot left for him. So it makes sense that he'd want to stay. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised that nobody saw that coming of his group that they are all like shocked. I don't know. Feels very fits to me, but also we live in his head and they don't. So. <laughs> and we've read it before. True. <laughs> he does make uh, a remark that says, uh, Ketrikin had told him in this dear friend, you have been sacrifice that she could offer me no greater compliment. I knew no word of me would ever pass her lips. And the fool was the one who was being difficult. So there was some fur about Fitz staying, but he kind of made his case and it was understood by the others. But everyone's like, why isn't the fool coming then? He doesn't have that excuse. And he just keeps saying that the white prophet will stay with the catalyst. However, Fitz has his doubts about just that reasoning and thinks it's more so the girl on the dragon. But... Fool has decided that he is staying behind as well. So it's Verity and Kettle going into the dragon, and the dragon carrying Starling and Ketrakin to go free the land. Right. And it gets to the point where there's nothing left. There's no more reason for Verity to linger. So he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And there's not really a goodbye either with no. Fitz. No. Fitz mentions we had little... We had said little to one another, but I felt there was little little we could say. Everything that had happened now seemed inevitable to me. It was as the fool said. Looking back, I could see where his prophecies had long ago swept us into a channel. No one could be blamed. No one could be blameless. And that part makes me a little sad because I feel like things could have been changed (laughs) to make things not as horrible. But I get the point of like... The past has already happened and they're here now. And so the choices that they made all kind of accumulated into what is now. Right. And I guess it's somewhat mature of Fitz to kind of let it go and not hold that anger against his uncle here. And maybe it's not maturity. Maybe it's more of like trauma and coping because his uncle is once again, another father figure in his life is leaving him. So that would be hard. And so just kind of accepting it is, I guess, good for him. But mm-hmm. before Verity can leave, he stops and decides to give get Fitz a parting gift instead of leaving it just like, okay, that was nice. <laughs> um, and he gives Fitz his sword. Yes. So he sharpens it one last time before giving it to him. But this is Hod's sword that hot had made for verity and he eventually gives this to dutiful and dutiful gives fitz chivalry's blade in return take my sword he said abruptly 
I won't need it, and you seem to have lost the last one I gave you. He halted suddenly in mid-stride, as if reconsidering. He hastily drew the sword from its sheath one last time. He ran a silver hand down the blade, leaving it gleaming behind his touch. It would be a poor courtesy to Hod's skill to pass this on with a blunted blade. Take better care of it than I did, Fitz. He resheathed it and handed it to me. His eyes met mine and I took it. And better care of yourself than I did. I did love you, you know, he said brusquely. Despite all I've done to you, I've loved you. At first, I could think of no answer to that. Then, as he reached his dragon and placed his hand on its brow, I told him, I never doubted it. Never doubt I loved you. I don't think I shall ever forget that final smile over his shoulder. And that's the end. Verity mm-hmm. goes into the dragon. I think it's really touching that they have this moment. Yeah. That Verity says out loud, hey, I love you. And like, you're important to me because I think that is important for Fitz to hear. Yeah, definitely. It's also interesting to hear Fitz reply with, I never doubted it. And I, I thinking about it, I don't think he did. I don't think there's ever a moment where he feels like his uncle is not being loving or doing something for him. Right. There are definitely moments for other people where he doesn't feel like they love him. But I think with his uncle, he knew that mm-hmm. there was like familial love there. Yeah, definitely. He gave him toys when he was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it does make me sad, though, because I feel like if the events that made the book what it is didn't happen, <laughs> Verity would have been a great uncle or even just father figure to Fitz. And if he could have been able to spare more time for Fitz, he would have. Yeah. If there wasn't a war going on. Right. And maybe he could have taught Fitz more. And I don't know. It just if chivalry was still around, you know. I, I mean, it's a thought experiment, but I don't even know. I don't know if Verity would get as involved with Fitz if chivalry wasn't around. I think mm-hmm. he's like he and Birik are very similar in my mind where they felt kind of duty bound at first to like check in. Right. You know, and if chivalry was around, yeah, he would be around Fitz, but he wouldn't be as involved in Fitz's life. Because I feel like he would have been more caught up with like his own pleasure and stuff. He's not like duty bound to stay around the castle and stuff. He would find someone that he loved to marry. I don't know. Interesting. I totally disagree. I feel like if chivalry was around and had like accepted that Fitz was his kid, I think Verity would for sure be around Fitz all the time because I just see him. I think the love that chivalry and Verity had for each other as brothers would migrate to a loving fun uncle who likes to mess around with his nephew. Like I just, (laughs) I feel like the closeness of how chivalry and Verity were would lend to him being more involved in his nephew's life. But I also think chivalry told him it's dangerous to dote on Fitz. And so that's why he was as reserved as he had like has been, even though he does talk to Fitz and get somewhat involved in Fitz's life where he can, I think there's still like, he doesn't want Fitz getting the wrong type of attention. Yeah, could be. Could be. I don't know. But that's just how I view him. Even though I have things that I don't like about Verity, I still think he's a good person overall. So I do want to talk about and comment on what happens when he does finally go into the dragon here. He says, uh, Fitz says that Verity was watching Ketrickin as he went. 
For an instant, I could smell Ketrakin's skin, recall the taste of her mouth on mine, the smooth warmth of her bare shoulders gripped in my hands. Then the faint memory was gone, and Verity was gone, and Ket Kettle was gone. I reread this, and I briefly had the thought of, like, why does he remember that? Something weird with the body switch going on? And then I remembered, and I wanted to just say out loud, so I got my thoughts down, that... Fitz didn't tell Verity out loud that he never doubted that he loved him. He was skilling to him. Yeah. So they were connected by skill when Verity went in. So with Verity recalling his last memory during the swap night, Fitz also gets that memory because Verity is recalling it to the front of his mind. He's reliving the whole thing and then putting it in. And that's why he says, and then the memory was gone. Mm-hmm. So it's just that brief time that Fitz remembers it and then Verity puts it in and then Verity is gone. Yeah, that's a good point that it's probably the memory coming because they are skill linked. I also wonder if they needed to be skill linked for this to go in the dragon because technically it was Fitz's body that this happened with. So even though it's Verity's soul in his memory that maybe in some weird way that'd be somewhat connected so Verity could take what fits maybe it had I don't know I don't know how to explain it but yeah. well we will never know the answer unfortunately <laughs> true <laughs> he does say that to him it's a little bit weird because it happens and he can tell it happens because there's no life sense in Verity's body or Kettle's body for a few moments before the bodies themselves also kind of disappear into the dragon. So it's kind of a weird limbo where yeah. to everyone else it would be fine, but to his wit sense, it's like, okay, the whole life is gone, but the body's still there. And then it kind of melds together. Right. Which this, I did not remember. I assumed whenever people made their dragons, they like, I'm thinking like blue skadood in. <laughs> If anybody ever watched Blue's Clues, Steve, whenever he goes into a painting after Blue, like, gets sucked in. He goes really small and he kind of, like, spins around. <laughs> just just look up Blue Skadood. It's literally what I picture happening. And then this description, like, really reading it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's way worse. It's super scary. It just, like, are empty husks lay laying on the stone and then they're like absorbed in very Bart Simpson into the bushes meme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Homer, it's Homer. In this, oh, sorry. Yes. Homer Simpson. Yes. <laughs> when they watch the dragon suffuse with color, heave a great breath and flap its wings. And the dragon is alive. The stone comes to life. It's colored a turquoise and silver. And Fitz says that the dragon opens up his eyes and they are black and shining, the eyes of a farseer. And he knows that Verity's looking out of them. Describes the dragon uh, stretching like a cat, which I think is a very apt description, one that keeps popping up in various places. Robin Hobb likes describing things cat-like. Yes. And also the head... And the eyes comes down after this kind of preening and stretching to look at Ketrakin. And Fitz can see 
her whole reflection in its one eye, which is just another reminder of the immense scale of this whole thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And Kedrick is not a small woman. She is like a tall woman like she's tall mm-hmm. I, taller than Fitz right I guess no she's not taller than Fitz Fitz has grown that's right she lot. was taller than Fitz when Fitz first met her but yeah. Fitz is tall for a farseer so like she's she's pretty tall yeah. yeah so like the fact that her whole body is in this eye it's not like someone like my size 5'2 I'm sure she's like I don't know I like to picture her as 6'2 I don't know very tall <laughs> intimidating (laughs) either way very impressive the size and she scrabbles up the scales sitting behind the neck and starling follows afterwards it does say for one instant grief controlled her face then ketrican drew a breath and became queen fearlessly she strode forward Mm -hmm. and she gets on verity i think that's really impressive because she did just lose her husband and watch him get sucked into this stone dragon. But now she has work to do. Yeah. And so she puts that aside and she's got to go save the six duchies. Fitz does mention that as when they say farewell and the dragon flies up in the air, it's a little bit wobbly at first because these are the first wing beats of a new dragon. Yes. I guess. But then they rise up into the air and shoot off towards Buck. This is also a really good reminder to me. So I forget that quarries are like open holes in the ground, basically. I, yes. I always think of this quarry as a cave. I, I don't know you, why. You mentioned it a couple times of like the entrance of the quarry and like, I don't know. It, it, I know. You alluded to it being like a cavern and I'm just, I didn't want to. You didn't want to break my heart. Yeah. It. yeah. I, it's so weird. I know what a quarry is. Like I've seen quarries before, but something about the way this book is written, my mind will not picture. I picture like the side of a mountain, this like big cavernous cave, but it's got a kind of low ceiling. And I don't know. So I, every time I picture this scene, I'm like, how do they even get out? And I'm like, because it's open, it's in the, it's a hole, it's a hole in the ground. So I always have to continuously remind myself this is not a cave, but this imagery of the dragon rising to the sky is very impressive (laughs) less impressive than them maneuvering out of a cave i guess but (laughs) very impressive either way fitz finally stops looking after where the dragon has gone snaps out of his reverie and kind of yells to night eyes hey where's the fool and Night Eyes is like, we both know where he's gone. There's no need to shout. Yeah. And Fitz knows inherently that he's right. You know, he's definitely gone to Girl and the Dragon, but he still has to kind of go through the motions. And he doesn't know why, but he just checks the camp and searches for him and then eventually wanders over. Right. Night Eyes has no time for the games and went straight to Fool and is waiting. But Fitz... Definitely took the long way. I mean, Fitz is definitely kind of scared for the fool here because just seeing what happened to Verity there and seeing the fool gone and knowing he has this obsession with Girl and the Dragon, I'm sure he's kind of scared of like, okay, what did the fool do? Something silly. And his fears are kind of assuaged and he's he he walks up to Girl and the Dragon with the fool just kind of sitting with his back to the dragon on the dais. When he does, when the fool does turn 
to look at Fitz. Fitz notes that he is now a different color completely. The fool was white no longer, but the palest of gold. There was even a tawny edge to his silky fine hair. The eyes he turned to me were a pale topaz. So he has been successful in making a change. It's really interesting. I wonder if this was a, a slow, subtle change that Fitz just now realizes happened. I, th- I think so, because his last sickness was when they were still walking towards the quarry. Right. So I I really do think that this is just Fitz actually taking time to see the fool, like Fitz says in here, contrasted against the emerald scales of Girl and a Dragon. The rich green hide. And he just kind of sees that he's, oh, he's no longer pure white. Okay. Right. He's he's changed a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But there's that descriptor. I I highlighted it. There was even a tawny edge to his silken fine hair. (laughs) Soon it won't just be an edge. Yes. As Fitz is walking up to him, the fool is saying, I had been hoping. I could not help hoping. But I have seen today what must be put into a dragon so it can fly. And even if I had the skill to give it, I do not have it to give. Even were she to consume all of me, it would not be enough. I did not say that I knew that. I did not even say that I had suspected it all along. I had finally learned something from Starling Birdsong. I let him have a silence for a time. And then he says that he and Night Eyes are going to go collect some Jeppas. I think it's good that the fool was able to realize this on his own to come to this conclusion because everyone has kind of been telling him this and he wasn't listening. But seeing Verity and Kettle literally both put all of themselves in, I think, is what stopped him. I think that fool knows that this isn't the end in some way. So he has to keep going. And if he puts all of himself into this stone dragon, then nobody's there. There won't be a white prophet there Mm -hmm. to help. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's part of what stops him. It doesn't sound that way, I guess, when he talks to Fitz. But knowing the fool as we do from reading all these other books, I wonder if that's part of the thing that's stopping him is just knowing that without him, then the false prophet is out there and could undo everything that he's worked so hard to do. Fitz and Nighteyes head off to find where the Jeppas were let loose to graze outside of the quarry, saying that I don't, I, I hoping because Verity's dragon didn't, you know, veer off and hunt anything that it means that Regal's troops aren't nearby, but I don't want to take chances. So I just want to grab two of them, pack up, Move on just in case. Right. And Fool agrees that when they come back with the Jeppas, he will help pack. He offers uh, the Fool his short sword because he realizes that he's holding Verity's long sword still in his hand. And the Fool's like, what am I going to use that for? I never trained. Fitz leaves him at Girl and a Dragon to say his farewells. And... They notice that there's nothing left of Carid but a bad smell, Night Eyes remarks, as they pass the vicinity of the body. And I thought this was an interesting call out because immediately the coterie comes in in like the next scene. Mm -hmm. So it's like an interesting kind of like, hey, 
Remember the coterie attacking you? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they find some Jeppas, start leading them back. And then all of a sudden, Fitz is kind of struck by the thought of like, hey, I don't have to return to Jean Pay because he, he's been thinking of like where we're going next, what the next steps are. Right. And he's like, OK, I don't have to go back. Right. And he's thinking specifically of Jean Pay because he only meant to grab two Jeppas, but he had grabbed the leader and one other. And so then the rest of them, the other six follow behind him and the thought of leading all six of them to Jean Pay is like such a tedious thing. And that's when he realizes like, oh, actually, it wouldn't be that tedious because I don't have to do it. Night Eyes is talking about how they can protect Fool. They'll give him meat when Night Eyes realize that the Fool has been attacked. Mm -hmm. And Night Eyes doesn't wait for Fitz. He just races off towards Girl and the Dragon once again. And as he's running, he does identify the smell of Burl. The fool was there, still at Girl and a Dragon, and Fitz is remarking that Bro must have come upon him pretty quietly because he's usually not taken unawares easily, the fool is. Right. So maybe his obsession with Girl and a Dragon kind of betrayed him there and just kind of dulled him to his senses or distracted him enough because Burl did get the first swipe in and bloodied the fool. Blood ran down the fool's arm and dripped from his fingertips. He had left smears of it all up the dragon as he climbed her. Now he clung, feet braced against the girl's shoulders, and one hand gripping the dragon's gaping lower jaw. In his free hand, he gripped his knife. And he just kind of stared down at Burl, waiting for Burl to finish him off. Burl is frustrated, obviously, because he can't really follow the fool who is extremely nimble to climb on top of this stone dragon and the statue that's pretty slippery. And also he wants to touch the fool to establish a skill like contact, touch, whatever he wants to do to him. Right. Also, it should be noted that fool is standing on girl on shoulder girl on dragon's shoulders. So like not only is he on top of this statue, which is probably pretty large he's on top of a woman's shoulders at the same time giving him a lot of distance so even if burl can manage to get around the side there's still mm -hmm. a person in between them even if she's made of stone burl drew his sword in frustration and swung it at the fool's braced feet which i thought was interesting because it says burl drew his sword in frustration I thought he already slashed him with his sword, so I think it's a little <laughs> yeah, little error right there. But the tip missed, not by much, but it, its blade rang against the girl's back. The fool cried out as loudly as if the blade had truly bit and sought to scrabble higher. I saw his hand slip where his own blood had greased the dragon's hide, and then he was sliding down, scrabbling frantically as he came down hard right behind the girl's seat on the dragon's back. So he's no longer on the shoulders. He's right behind the girl on a dragon. But the sword hit from Burl seemed to affect the dragon and the fool. It, do, it did seem to hurt him or maybe the fool was just startled. Right. Well, it out. is it is alluded to that the statue can feel yeah. things. So that was with a skill touch though so like that's why i'm kind of like hmm it was direct silver and right. that seemed to hurt her <laughs> but also it hurt to be touched on the arm with silver and right. that's not like 
something that, I mean, the dragon getting touched didn't scream in pain whenever Fitz was shaping the leg and Mm -hmm. putting memories in. So I wonder if it is, especially on the human part, those human memories of pain. Yeah, possibly. Burl is going for a second swing because the fool is much more easily within reach now. But Night Eyes reaches him first and impacts him right on his back, driving him to hit Girl on a Dragon. And he has the sword blow once again missed the fool and rang again against the dragon's gleaming green hide. Ripples of color raced away from the clash of metal against stone like the ripples made when one tosses a pebble in a still pond. So again, I think it, it does affect the dragon in some way. It's just right. kind of hard to hard to say how. Fitz reaches the dais right as Night Eye's jaws are darting in and closing on Burl from behind. So he is quickly trying to uh, trying to kill Burl here. And he screams to the fool, for you, my brother, Night Eyes told the fool, this kill for you. But Fitz is distracted because he senses Will coming up behind him. Yes. He does make mention some things happen too swiftly to tell well. And so two things start happening simultaneously he just explains them Mm -hmm. as finishing up the story of what happened to fool and then going into his own of what happened with him and will so night eyes does land a death blow on burl causing him to bleed profusely onto the mired part of the stone dragon and fitz notes that as the blood touches the stone it bubbles away and reveals the part of the dragon that was missing. Yeah. It reveals like all the scales, the details and just like removes the extra stone away from it. Right. It was eating into the stone. A scalding water would have eaten it into a chunk of ice. And when night eyes lets go of Burl's lifeless body, the dragon's wings open and immediately soars into the sky. And the fool is off with her. (laughs) So what people had been saying uh, to the fool saying like, oh, there's, you know, even if you put your whole self into it, nothing would happen. Burl was a skilled user. Yeah. With a coterie and just fully got sacrificed on top. Yeah. And eventually, you know, eventually... The Red Ship Raider's dragon or the Pale Woman's dragon does fly as well with Mm -hmm. all of those unwilling sacrifices. And this one was very close to being revealed. So obviously, even unwilling people putting their life into a dragon does help quicken it. Right. But being skilled makes up a lot. Yeah, I do wonder if... It's really hard. So either they were underestimating how little needed to be put in to Girl on Dragon to make her quicken, or because Burl is pretty powerful and skilled, it had more of an effect than 
fool himself doing it or even fits. Yeah, I think so. Because of his repeated use of the skill and the skill, as I've, as I've talked about before and as I think of it, the skill as a memory magic, memory-based right. magic, touching other people, absorbing their feelings or like feeling what they're feeling, inhabiting their minds, experiencing different things. The fool, excuse me, uh, the skill is able to kind of retain that in my mind a little bit more. Right. Which is why Verity being so powerfully skilled as he was, was able to carve that dragon more so. Right. More or less by himself. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yes, I think Girl and the Dragon was closer to finishing than they thought initially, but the fool by himself would not be able to do that because he's not skilled. Even if he has lived probably twice as long as Burl has, it doesn't matter. Right. He didn't have the depth of feeling, the the memories to go with what Burl probably has experienced throughout using his magic. Right. That's fair. Because especially as linked as a coterie, you shared a lot of the experiences that the other coterie members had as well. That's a good way to look at it. So Girl on a Dragon is alive, awakens and soars off with the fool clinging. And Fitz mentions, as you had said before, Emma, I saw all these things, but not because I stood and stared. I saw them in glimpses and through the wolf's eyes. My own gaze I turned on Will as he ran up behind me. He carried a bared blade in his hand and ran easily. Fitz draws Verity's sword and kind of wishes he had the short sword because he's more familiar with it. But he's standing there waiting for Will, and then all of a sudden, Will's skill hits him. Right. And Will has prepared a skill blast made specifically for Fitz mm -hmm. with the worst memories that Fitz has, including the ones that Fitz has put into the dragon. And even though Fitz has put these memories into Girl on Dragon, who is now miles away, Fitz is recalling them and... All he can do is put his wall up in fear. Mm -hmm. I knew again the shock of my broken nose. I felt the burn of the, my split face, even if I did not stream hot blood down my chest as it once had. For a frozen heartbeat, all I could do was hold my walls against that crippling pain. The sword I gripped suddenly seemed made of lead. It sagged in my hand, its tip drooping toward the earth. But Burl's death saved me. So that's why they're happening simultaneously. Yes. Will is running up behind him. Fitz turns and from behind him through Night Eyes's eyes, he can see Burl's death and the blood spraying over there. And then that stops Will and kind of makes him feel that grief, that pain, because his coterie, his last coterie member passes away. Right. And it weakens him. Mm hmm. I felt Will diminish abruptly, not just as Burl's skill no longer supplemented his own, but as grief washed over him. I found in my mind an image of Carrod's rotting body and flung that at him for good measure. He staggered back. And Fitz here, confronting Will, just says, hey, you failed. Like We, we accomplished what we wanted. We did what we set out to do. Buck's, Buck is going to be saved. Verity is flying there to save it right now. Ketrigan's going to have an heir for the Farseer throne. You lost. No matter what you do here now, you are defeated. A strange smile twisted my mouth. I win. 
And then it says, Will's face changed. Regal looked at me out of his eyes. He was as unmoved by Burl's death as he would be by Will's. I sensed no grief, only anger at a lessening of his power. Perhaps, he said with Will's voice, perhaps then, all I should care for is killing you, bastard, at whatever the cost. He smiled at me, the smile of a man who knows how the tumbling dice will fall before they land. I knew a moment of uncertainty and fear. I flung my walls up tighter against Will's insidious tactics. Fitz is like, do you really think that he's going to stand a chance against me? You know, And a wolf. And a wolf. Yeah, exactly. A one-eyed swordsman. <laughs> right. And do you just plan on throwing his life away too? He says that last part, trying to kind of rattle Will into some type of sense mm-hmm. of like, hey, Regal's using you. Um, but it falls on deaf ears. Because Regal is still in control of Will and says, why not? Or did you think I was truly as stupid as my brother to be content with only one coterie? And this is where Fitz learns that he has trained more coteries. Right. It is a reality now. There was some fear that Fitz had had before that potentially there was a coterie, but he didn't know. He had no way of knowing yet. So that was more of just something he thought is just anxiety about the fear he felt for Regal getting in his mind again. And so with that, he decides to try to kill Will as quickly as possible because Regal doesn't care how much skill he draws in Will's own body because Regal wouldn't be affected. So he knows that Regal would just try to lash out with skill to kill him quickly. So he rushes him. I will say I have a typo in my book. It says he sought to close on Eagle from Will's blind side. Ooh, nice. Yeah, no R at all. So I just thought that was interesting to point it out. I'm trying to look for that in mine and I can't find it. One eyed or not, Will, it's that paragraph. Oh, it's okay. It's the last sentence of that paragraph. Oh, it says Regal on mine. Eagle. Well, <laughs> E-G-A-L, so. So he does attack will and he says will was fast will's defending him sword and uh, and the, against the wolf and in the meantime will is shouting three new coteries while well, regal is shouting through will three new coteries young strong skill users to carve dragons of my own a swiping slash whose breeze i felt dragons at my beck loyal to me dragons to bring down verity in blood and scales And throughout this whole conversation here, he's talking about fighting against Will and both Fitz and Night Eyes are too slow to take advantage of any of the openings that he's left. Will is too fast. And too good with the sword, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. I wondered at this if Regal has full control of the body. Like, is Regal a genius at sword fighting? I don't think so. (laughs) <laughs> That's fair. But do you think this is Will? I mean, would Will have ever even been trained with this sword? Not that it super matters, just like... Probably. But also, we see later, so Fitz says here, he fought with incredible speed. Another use of the skill? Or a skill illusion he forced on me? And we see later, 
when Fitz confronts the other coteries going through the skill pillar, that when he opens himself fully to the skill, he becomes super amazing as well. Right. I think it's just something that you can learn. If you become if you become one with the skill and feel everything, like you have that kind of balance in your whole life. You know, it's that perfect sung note right. held out infinitely. It's the oneness with all of the world. I feel that's kind of just an enhancement, and he's correct in saying that it is skill-enhanced right. in some way. But I do wonder, presumably somebody who's never picked up a sword could not, but was skilled, could not just open themselves up to the skill and be really good at the sword. Right. But maybe they could. I guess I don't know what Will's backstory is, so... They also said that most of the people who were in this, the coterie to begin with, who were selected to be trained, were selected, yes, because they had skill, but also because they were like, I'm trying to remember the exact wording, but wasn't it because they were also kind of close to the family or whatever? And right, most of those people have soldier training at that point. Well, so they're like all some level of nobility in some way. Although Burl was like a carpenter's apprentice. Yeah. But he could have been like a low nobleman's kid, like second or third kid, you know, (laughs) like a second or third cousin. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just thinking in general, like it's quite possible that he could have been through some training early and then like continued it on later. Or didn't continue, but with the skill was able to like hone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Interesting. Just a thought process I had. (laughs) So Regal is evil villain monologuing here and supplying Fitz with his full grand master evil plan. And it's I trained up new coteries who are all going to carve dragons for me and they're all going to be loyal to me because that was probably skill imbued in all of them. Right. (laughs) And they're going to clear the red ships for me. And open the mountain passes for me, I shall be the hero and no one is going to be there to oppose me then. Because I'm going to have these dragons and they're going to wreck both fronts of this war that I started. Right. And also destroy Verity. So there's Mm -hmm. that. Verity only has the one dragon. Right. Exactly. He says, I shall master the skill road. The ancient city will be my new capital. All my skill users shall be drenched in the river's magic. It's really interesting because it kind of shows how much Regal doesn't know. Starting with the fact that he's going to attack Verity's dragon through blood. um, There wouldn't be any blood because it's a stone. (laughs) I'm trying to remember if there is in the Tawny Man trilogy when they fight the other stone dragon. I can't remember. I don't know. Because there's that wizard wood arrow, I believe, that Swift shoots. Mm. I think it's Swift who shoots that arrow. But when they finally kill it, I can't remember if there's blood or not. I don't know. But either way, it's just this idea that, first of all, he can master the skill road. I guess he's probably not skilled enough to be affected by it. But I don't think there's a way to tame it so that it doesn't affect other skill users. I don't. Yeah, that's regal. Yeah, (laughs) like, like there's no way to tame the road. And if he moved into the new capital city, like that's great. But like, it's still a derelict city. You can't just like make it become wonderful overnight. It would take a lot of work, which I guess he could, he has the resources 
and this plan of his where he's going to take over everyone and nobody can stop him because he has all the power in the world. And he even goes into how even Chalced and Bingtown and everywhere else, they're going to bow to him too. It's, it's a little bit weird. It, mm-hmm. I think it feels really cartoon villain. Like you said, cartoon villain monologue, but it feels very cartoon villain for Regal who has been an actual villain up until this point it's very i'm taking over the world after yes but also in his mind like he did secure what he wanted you know fitz was bragging right. like hey he had his own monologue to will like i won you right know, ha, 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 ha. we got everything and regal is here saying I don't care about them because i'm gonna have three of my own dragons plus i have control of this whole quarry Right. The real prize. This is where you make the weapons that you <laughs> you sought so long to make to clear out the things. Right. I can do anything I want with this quarry. And then Fitz is feeling, you know, oh, my God, we lost the true prize. How could we be so blind? And <laughs> right. the whole thing. Also, I do want to. Sorry, I forgot. Regal also mentions that all of his people are going to be drenched in the skill. Yeah. And the way I picture it, I feel like he means that they're going to take a bath in the skills, that they're like fully covered. And I just don't, I don't think that's feasible. I don't think. Oh, no, that that's something that he also doesn't understand right. because he doesn't know the skill, right? Right. He's using Will's skill, but he doesn't really know what that does because I don't think any of their coterie knows. Right. Because they have, yeah. none of them have touched it. None of them know what that's like. They just know they that. Don't, no, it's a death sentence. Yeah, they just know that Verity has touched it and he's really powerful. So, right, must exactly. be that exactly, which I guess it kind of is. So, yeah, partially, but also they uh, that's the kind of folly of Regal is that he never attributes anything to the skill of his enemies, it's always something else that they stumbled into or something that should be his by right that they're right. using against him. So that's probably like, oh, you found this magic river and that made you super powerful to resist me. It's not because you're good. Right, that's fair. So he's just going to use this tool against his enemies. Then. <laughs> and his enemies are everyone. True. Yeah, so Regal carries on saying, you know, the stuff from which a score, this quarry, no, a hundred dragons shall rise. And Fitz is like, how could we be so stupid? How had we not seen what Regal truly sought? Right. Oh, my gosh. Fitz is saying, yeah, we thought with our hearts of, you know, what everybody needed and immediately tried to, like, cleanse the the shores of the raiders. But Regal, he had thought only of what the skill could win for him. I knew his next words before he flung them. In Bingtown and Chalced, they will bend their knees to me, and in the Out Islands, they will cower at my name. So this is really Regal's plan of taking over pretty much this whole continent. The whole world. Yeah, he didn't mention Jamalia, though. I know. Yeah, I so, thought that was interesting that Bingtown was mentioned and not Jamalia. They trade with Bingtown, but I don't think That's that they've ever been as far down as Jamalia. <laughs> is Jamalia not next to Chalced? So, like, Duchy's... No, Chalced, Bing, or Jamalia, Bingtown? No, 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 no. It's the other way. It's uh, Duchies, Chalced, that like shore of madness that you can't walk right. on, then Bingtown, and then further down south is Jamalia. Okay. 
And I believe in, but uh, I'd have to look at a map again, but I believe the pirate isles are in between Chalced and Bingtown. I think. Hmm. It's a big string of islands, so I'm not sure if it like encompasses that, but. But yeah, Jamalia is further, further south. Okay. I definitely thought that Jamalia had like border skirmishes with Chalced, but I guess it's just Bingtown. So uh, that makes. Not even just Bingtown. Bingtown doesn't really have skirmishes with them, except at the end of uh, end of that trilogy, the live ship traders, because mm-hmm. that's when they start like kind of taking over the town, bringing right. all their slave trades in and stuff because the whole Rainwild forest is in between. Right. The, all the Rainwilds. And that's something that like no one wants to cross because everyone dies. In Fair. It. I think it's literally just the out outer duchies, hmm. but there's always war between those two. True. Burns and Chalced. Right. Because Chalced believes in slavery and Burns doesn't. Yes. Again, I'm pretty sure it's Burns. Could be wrong. It's one of the one of the outer duchies. Can't remember if it's Shokes or Burns. Maybe it's Shokes. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and Night Eyes has a warning for Fitz as this monologue is going on, as he's still fighting Will, as Regal is still using Will's voice to monologue at him, that more people are approaching. He says that Night Eyes' warning nearly killed me. For in the instant I lifted my eyes, Will sprang at me. I gave ground, all but running backward to avoid his blade. Far behind him, from the mouth of the quarry, a dozen men ran toward us, brandishing blades. They moved not in step, but with a oneness to them far more cohesive than any mere troops could have mastered. A coterie. So this one coterie, so Regal said that he has three. This one coterie has 12 people in it. Right. Very scary. (laughs) Yes. And Night Eyes starts to race towards them to challenge them. And Fitz is like, hey, stop. You you can't fight 12 blades wielded by one mind. And Night Eyes is still kind of racing towards him. Will lowers his blade, casually sheaths it, and says, don't bother with them. Let the archers finish them. So there's more soldiers coming into position to finish them off. And... Fitz is grasping again what is happening. The troops weren't there to attack Verity or kill Verity, although that probably would have been a perk. Right. It's there to hold the quarry. Yeah, it's it's way too many for just the purpose of killing Verity. I think they definitely would have killed Verity if he was there. Although I don't know, because you'd think seeing the rightful heir would be like, hmm, something doesn't add up about Regal, but I'm sure Regal has done something. <laughs> He, I mean, they're all coteries or like coterie people, so they probably have undying loyalty to Regal anyway. So, yeah, not like even if they understood the wrong that they were doing, they could do anything about it. Fitz is like, well, I'm going to die, so I might as well take Will with me. Charges at him as arrows are clattering around the stone near him. And a scream rose from the walls of the quarry to the west of us. Girl on a dragon swept low over me, the fool on her back, a gold and brown archer writhing in the dragon's jaws. The man was suddenly gone, a puff of smoke or steam swept away by the wind of her passage. She banked her wings, came in low again, snatching up another archer and sending one leaping into the quarry to avoid her. Another puff of smoke. 
So they all kind of are frozen for a half instant as Girl and Dragon comes back and starts killing some of these soldiers. Right. Um, I should mention something that we kind of skipped over is that this would be super terrifying, not just because it's a dragon coming at you, but the girl on the dragon is has kind of like dead eyes going on. Fitz mentions Completely that, emotionless face. Yeah, that the, it's a beautiful face, but this face has nothing going on behind the eyes. It's just, just another appendage of yeah. a dragon. And this is something that's repeated throughout, but I just like think of the horror of seeing what looks to be a human, but they're like not. It's a mannequin. It's just a man- <laughs> they're not reacting. They're not doing anything. I think that would be so strange. And yet the girl on a dragon can like turn and look and reach down and grab the fool yes, to help. It's, like it's, it'd it's be very, very creepy. creepy. Yeah. Also though, it does say there's a scream and I don't think it's the fool scream. So does that mean that the dragons can speak? They just choose not to. I mean like these stone dragons specifically. Um, I don't know if speak, but probably make noises, you know, like roar. But how? It's They're a, alive. It's I magic. Yes, yeah. What do you mean how it's magic? I don't know. It just is one of those. <laughs> oh, just so weird to me. I don't know. Will orders the archers to shoot and bring the dragon down. But the dra- the arrows don't even get close because most of them are deflected by wind from the wings and just fall back to the ground. And girl on dragon sets her sights on Will. And he flees. And Fitz believes that Regal abandons him there. I I do want to point out this uh, really funny passage in here. So Will is fleeing. Regal, uh, Fitz thinks, abandons Will there when, he's, when he chooses to flee. Yes. And the, uh, the coterie that's up on the walls looking at this sees Will running towards him and then also starts to run away and flee. So <laughs> Fitz, is, Fitz is thinking here, I caught a brief flash of Night Eyes' delated triumph that 12 swordsmen would not stand to meet his charge. Then he cowered to the earth as Girl and the Dragon swept low over all of us. <laughs> it's just, in my mind, it's just so funny. It's just like, ha ha ha, they're all running from me. I'm big and scary. And then, like, a predator 20 times his size <laughs> is flying at him. True, yeah. No, it is a good, a good scene. But this, we get a good description of what happens when these stone dragons cross over you. It was not only the harsh wind of her passage that I felt but also a dizzying sweep of skill that in an instant snatched from my mind every thought I had been holding, as if the world had been plunged briefly into absolute darkness and then handed back to me in full brightness it was. I stumbled as I ran, and for an instant I could not recall why I carried a bared sword or who I chased. Ahead of me Will faltered as her shadow swept him, and then the coterie staggered in their turn. Very interesting, because it does come back to him eventually, but... Those low passes repeatedly, permanently takes all of those thoughts and those feelings away from you and forger you. So I think I had a question, like, as they were building the dragon, when Verity had said, don't touch the dragon, he's dangerous now. Um, And I think it kind of answers it that they do take. Mm -hmm. They don't ever stop taking. Just kind of passively. Yeah. It gets to a point where they don't even need to need 
your touch anymore. They can just take by sweeping over you, which is incredibly powerful. I don't know. I wonder if it's like an active thing that the stone dragon is doing, though. Like kind searching of, for life sort of deal. Yeah, it kind of feels like it because you can still like go up next to one and it doesn't take your memories away or anything. Right. It's it feels like, yeah, if you're if you're in hunt mode and you're flying over somebody, then it starts to take. It seems to be only described as when it's flying over you. Right. Yeah, very interesting. I wonder if it works on animals, too, like whenever they're flying over the trees if like birds mm. forget what they're doing. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. Really destroy the ecosystem. <laughs> True. A bunch of forged, forged animals. animals. Oof, <laughs> that is scary. I'm just thinking of like chronic wasting disease or something. Yeah. Some prion based. Rabies. Scary. Yeah, rabies. Well, I guess rabies kills pretty fast though. I don't know. Yeah. Not good either way. Mrs. Will as Uh, The dragon is sweeping down, just barely misses him because he's dodging in between these large stones that are still in the quarry. And arrows are finally able to reach the dragon from this height. However, the dragon is a statue. (laughs) So Fitz remarks like they didn't do anything more than just shooting an arrow at a stone pillar would. So nothing happens. And he mentions only the fool cowered away from them. Girl and a dragon change course abruptly to fly low over the archers and snatch another from their midst and consume him in an instant. Again, her shadow swept over me, and again, a moment of my life was snatched from me. I opened my eyes to find Will gone. So, again, flies over Fitz, and he just kind of blacks out, forgets everything, and then kind of comes to, and Will is gone, flee, fled. And hiding somewhere. Yes. Presumably. He catches a glimpse of Will going towards the big stone blocks to go in between. Mm -hmm. Night Eyes is excited to see this site and talks about how Fool or Scentless One, as he calls him, is a great hunter and that he's doing so well on the back of the dragon because the dragon is kind of decimating Regal's troops here. It is sweeping through and just... Going after whoever she can get. Mm -hmm. During that conversation, Fitz is like, well, Will is my kill. And I just have to remember, well, your kill is my kill as well. We're pack. (laughs) Yes. And that, you know. And Fitz is reminded like, okay, yeah, he's right. But still, Fitz is very selfish in that he wants to be the one personally to kill Will. Yes. He also has to figure out how to find Will. It's going to be really hard going in between. And he realizes that Will's probably headed towards the pillar that where else would you go? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's going to get you the safest amount of distance away because you can instantly be miles from here. And as long as you're away from the dragon, who cares? So he, instead of looking for Will, he and Night Eyes go straight towards the pillar. Mm hmm. And hide to wait for him to come out. Yes. And they can't go, I guess, straight there. They do have to take cover because Fitz gives credit to Regal's archers because as they go, anytime they go between the rocks and one of the archers sights them, they call out, there they are, and shoot at them. 
even with everything else going on and the dragon trying to Skilled eat them. loyalty. Yeah. So it's really interesting that even in the midst of this carnage of a dragon attacking them, they are still trying to follow Regal's orders of killing Fitz. We reach the pillar in time to see two of Regal's new coterie dash across the open, hands reaching to plunge into the dark pillar itself the moment they touched it. The rune for the stone garden was the one they chose, but perhaps it was only because it was the side of the pillar closest to cover. We did not move from the angle of a great block that sheltered us from arrows. And they wait for Regal. Or not for Regal, for Will. Right. And they wonder if he went through already, like maybe they missed him. But they ha- there's nothing they can do besides wait, so that's what they do. And it feels like it's taking forever. Girl on Dragon is becoming less frequent with her kills because there are less people to grab. And at one, then suddenly she rises up really high and then dives. And that's when Will makes a break for it. All right, we are going to take a break right there. Pick it up next week. This episode is getting a little bit long, so we'll take a break at that chapter and come back in when they start to chase Will through that pillar and finish out the rest of this chapter. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening along with our discussion. If you have anything to add to that discussion, any theories or thoughts, please let us know at isfitshappy at gmail.com or message us directly on Facebook, on Instagram, or on Twitter, where it isfitshappy for all three of those pages. And then we also have a Reddit user, uh, user isfitshappy, so please feel free to message us on there as well if that is your preferred social media. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. 